Hey, welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we share with you what we taught students and children this past Sunday morning. Uh, we continue in our studies in First Thessalonians for preschool children, elementary and uh, middle school and high school. And so I hope that you have your Bibles because I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm not going to go through that whole thing of this is what they're learning. I want you to look at some of the verses yourself. And so if you would, turn to First Thessalonians. And we're in chapter, Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 3. Look at verses 1 through 5 for just a moment this morning. These are some somewhat difficult verses when you think about uh, discussing them with small children. Uh, these are somewhat difficult verses when you think about discussing them with middle schoolers. And these are incredibly hard verses to discuss with high schoolers. Good morning, ladies. So here's, here's why it's so easy with children. Children are going to take these verses kind of at face value, and you can explain some things, and they're just going to take the verses as they come. And, and, and somewhat understand it. Middle schoolers are gonna have some questions because they are at that age developmentally where they're, they're thinking about some things and they're looking at contradictions, uh, contradictions in their life and their culture and then what scripture has to say and how they apply that. High schoolers are gonna have a particularly hard time with this scripture because they are so indoctrinated in the culture and the culture is quite contrary to what the scriptures are gonna be talking about this morning. And so if you would, Second Corinthians, if someone would, Thessalonians, gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, I said 1 Thessalonians to start with, then I said 2 Thessalonians, now I said Corinthians, but we are in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Would someone read those for us this morning? Pull the mic up a little bit. That's good because you can't hear my mistakes. Is that better? Oh, yeah. Much better? Okay, so you probably didn't hear me ask. I'm sure for someone to read Second Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Do I have a volunteer? Thank you, young man. Can you read really loud like you're preaching? Thanks. Okay, so in that simple five verses, what, what is the writer talking about in that? What is, he in, what is he enticing? What is he encouraging the believers to do? I'm not planning on going to 11 o'clock service, so I've got all morning, guys. Have confidence in the Lord. Have confidence in the Lord. Have comfort, okay, yes, have comfort. What else? Persevere. What else? Pray. pray. Okay. He's, he's exhorting them to pray. Pray for one another so that they have comfort in the Lord, so they persevere because he knows and understands they're going to be going through some tough times culturally. 
They're going to be through some tough times in their own personal faith as they grow and they mature and they deal with this new faith they found. There's going to be difficult times. And so he's asking the church, he's asking the body of believers to pray for one another. Okay? Your children are going to be learning today about praying for one another. A little later on, I'm going to be talking about consistency in parenting. So if your children today are learning about praying for one another and praying for the church and praying for leadership and praying for people, how consistent or inconsistent will your family be this week if you don't take this scripture to heart and pray for one another? How consistent or inconsistent will your family be this week if you don't take time to pray for your children, pray for their teachers, pray for the leaders, and ask the child, no matter how young or small or big and grown they are, to join you in that prayer? The other thing I would ask is how many of you have a family devotional, family prayer time where you do pray for these things and talk about these things? Do you have a time to, this week that you're going to talk about the scripture that they're going to learn today and say, well, this is why we pray together and this is why the church prays together and this is why we're going to have this family time and we're going to pray no matter what the prayer is. Consistency in prayer. They prayed for one another because they understood that what you and I deal with today individually and what we deal with as a family is spiritual warfare. And they prayed that God would prevent and help them through those times. Any in here, and you don't have to raise your hand, but it'd be great to see if everybody was dealing with this. And if you're not dealing with this, I'd love to find out what you're doing to overcome it. Anyone this week dealt with spiritual warfare in your life? Okay. So some of you are doing some really cool things. You're not dealing with temptation. You're not dealing with frustration. You're not dealing with anger. You're not dealing with confusion over the culture. That's good because I dealt with that a lot this week. I also dealt with the fact that Satan wants to neutralize us as individuals, as couples, and as families, and as a church. Not just living hope, but as a church of called out believers. And so this week, if you didn't engage in spiritual warfare, you're either really, really close to the Lord or you're pleasing the devil because he's not pleased when we grow closer to the Lord. He's not pleased when we try to do the things God wants us to do. He's going to come against us, Satan will. And so I hope that if you didn't engage in spiritual warfare this week, you have some because it means you're doing something right in your relationship with the Lord. It means he's doing something in your life to help you grow and mature as a believer. And your children need to see that. Your children need to experience that. So, hey, you need to pray for Daddy today. Daddy's going to have a tough day at work, and there's some people that are not happy with Daddy. And they're going to try to make Daddy really sad today. So you need to pray for Daddy today. You and Mom, will you come and pray for Daddy? Your older children. You know, that I know y'all deal with some things in school, and I know there's some tough things happening, and, and I know these things are evil. I know this. And I want to pray today that God's going to protect your heart. And you pray over your child. When's the last time... It's easy to pray over smaller children. When was the last time you prayed over your middle school or high school student, your child? When was the last time you said, you know what, before you leave today, I want to pray over you. Oh, Dad. Oh, Mom. No, we're going we're gonna to take just a few moments. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray God's protection over you that you won't steal things out of the bathroom and get in trouble for that. By the way, that's the, that's the thing going on. Isn't it, Amy? A lot of bathroom fixtures leaving the facilities these days for some strange reason. So, why is it important for us to pray as believers? 
Why is it important for us to pray as a church? Why is it important for you to pray as individuals and as couples and as families? Because you're fighting against the evil one. You're protecting one another. You're encouraging one another. That's what prayer does. And so if we're not praying for one another as a church, we're in trouble. If we're not praying for one another as a husband and wife, we're in trouble. If we're not praying for our children, they're in trouble. And so this is why they're learning today about the power, the power and the promise and the necessity of prayer in the church, okay? Someone, if you would, look up 2 Thessalonians 3, 12, 6 through 12. Hmm, I almost went the other way with that. 6 through 12. And read that, please. Okay, you see where this passage may be difficult to talk to small children and middle schoolers and high schoolers? Why would this be a difficult passage to talk about? Hey, mommy, that man needs some money. Can we give him some money? No, sweetheart, we're not going to roll down our window and give him some money. Well, how come? We're supposed to help people and love people. That's what my Bible says. Well, we also learned today that we don't do that, dear one. Is that what you tell them? What do you say? How do you help the poor? How do you help those that are struggling? According to scripture that just said what? You earn your living. Yeah, you earn your living. Okay, now here's the context. And this is one way you can explain it. This is talking to the church. It's not talking to the culture. It's talking to the church. It's talking to the believers that identify themselves in Christ in a local congregation. And saying that, hey, if, if, if you're not working and you're not supplying a living, we're not going to do that for you. Now, there's always things that happen. That's why we have a benevolence fund at Living Hope Baptist Church. There's always things happen in people's lives that are just unavoidable and catastrophic. Some things that sneak up on people and, and they just can't do anything. They need some help overcoming. Completely understand that completely understand that. But these are people that are basically showing up to church at this first century church in Thessalonica and just kind of living off everyone else. There were, there were problems we know about with the Lord's Supper. They came to do the Lord's Supper just to eat, not to even re re understand and reveal and, and reflect on what the Lord's Supper meant. They just came to eat. And so there are problems with the Lord's Supper. So we know that there are problems with the first century Christians where they would just take advantage of the church, the goodness of the people and the sharing. So let me ask this group, I'll start with you guys. Let me ask you this group. So y'all are the first century church. Y'all are the little Thessalonica church and this is y'all's church right now. And so, and you know who I'm gonna pick on. I mean, you know who I'm gonna pick on. So y'all show up every Sunday and every Wednesday and you have great Bible study. You talk about what God's doing and you share a meal. That's what it said the first century church did, right? 
but Joe and Micah just always show up and you notice they're always standing around eating and, and they're kind of, well, we, we, we could use some, some clothes. We're, it's getting cold and we, we need some, some clothes. And so because you love them and because this is an exciting thing, you just always kind of give them to them and give them to them. And then one day you're standing around and say, well, Joe, what do you do for a living? I don't do anything for a living. Micah would not have a job back in those days. There just wasn't a lot of jobs in that culture for women. And so you go, okay, well, I've got some jobs you can do. You can help me. No, I really, really kind of like doing this. Okay. And so he shows us next week. And they're eating and they're taking food away from the church. And their little covered dish that they didn't bring. And they need more clothes. And maybe they need an oxen bill taken care of, some food for their oxen. I don't know what they had bills for back in those days. It wasn't electricity and water. How long would y'all put up with that? How long before you felt like you were taking advantage of? Not long. long. And what kind of problems would it cause within the church? Would there be resentment? Would you become angry? Would you feel taken advantage of? And so this very thing, this fellowship that God was trying to establish, Christ was trying to establish in his early church, he was trying to say, hey, we don't need any distractions here. If you're not going to work, you're not going to eat. Now, if something happened and you lost your job or something happened and there was illness, or the church was always and has always and will always be the first to respond. That's what we do. We love each other and take care of each other. So how do you explain it today? We've got Social Security. We've got Medicaid and welfare and everything else in the world. How do you explain that to your child? You've got a couple of years if they're in elementary age. You've got a couple of years. But those middle schoolers... They're pretty smart. They're, they're pretty wise when it comes to these things. Your high schoolers, they know. They know for the last year, people have sat around and just collected unemployment checks. Regardless of your, regardless of your political affiliation, people have sat around for the last year and just got paid to sit at home. And you don't think your high schoolers know that? How do you, how do you apply the Bible to that? How do you apply the scripture this week to that? Or do you just say, you know what, this would be a great week to avoid that. be a great week not to even, we'll find some other scripture to talk about. We won't go down the road on this one. That's what they're going to learn today. They're going to learn about people need to be responsive, be responsible in the church. Because God provided us the opportunity and the will and the intelligence and the bodies to work. There's no mistake that he said, hey, I'm going to create this and I'm going to put Adam and Eve in a garden and I'm going to give them a job from the very beginning because he knows we need that. That's how we were created. And then the last scripture they'll read today is in 2 Thessalonians 3. And uh, I don't know what that says. My autopsy friend, I, I, I put it through a line and then I can't see anyway because I've got this Three, surgery. 13 to the 18th. 13th of 18th? Yeah. 13th of 18th. If someone would read that, that would be great. 2 Thessalonians 13 through 18 is what it says. You got it, Luke? Thanks.
Okay. So what is Paul saying today to the believers? What does he write in, that, in the closing out of that, that chapter? He brings encouragement. He wants them to be encouraged because the early church was discouraged. It was tough. There had never been a church before. There had never been Christians before. And so everything they experienced was new. Everything they were experienced was a new feeling of how do we live in this culture and how do we respond to this culture and how do we, as believers that are different and coming from all kinds of different backgrounds, not like the church today where we're homogenous, but lots of different backgrounds and lots of different belief systems, and he's saying, be encouraged, but what else does he say in that? Never be tired of doing good what is, what is good. Don't, don't grow where you're doing good. We, we've talked about this in staff meeting this week, and uh, one of the things you'll see tonight that Pastor Jason will, will share if you come back tonight at 5 is a tool that, that we really still are in the process of developing. Uh, we, Dave, Pastor David and myself and Jason meet every Thursday and the last of the month, we meet all day Thursdays, which is a long day, even though I love them both a lot. It's a long day. It's a long day for them to have to be around me. And uh, so we started off Thursday morning very discouraged, very weary, because we felt like we've been doing good for quite some time, and, and sometimes you just don't see things happening that you think should happen because of that. And so we started there, and, and this tool that we'll have tonight, I think you're going to really, really, really... Uh, respond to. I, I, I won't go into it because I want Jason, Pastor Jason to be able to re reveal it to you, but it's a, it's, a, it's a faith evaluation tool. It's a life evaluation tool. You look at faith and you look at your time and you look at your relationships and you see how they overlap. If you have true faith, you have a finite amount of time each day and you have relationships and you, we talk about that. So He's talking to these believers, this new church, and saying, don't grow weary in doing good because it said that they were doing well and they had great favor in the people around them. And many people were coming to the Lord each day because of these new believers and their love for one another and their dedication for another one, one another and their sacrifice to the cause, Jesus Christ. But he also says something else in those verses. What does he say? I love when I get smiles back. That's good. I like smiles. They're, they're good. I, at least you make eye contact instead of going, yeah. What does he say in those verses? He just says, Ah, oh, separate yourself from what? So it comes into the fact of church discipline. If, if they are not following Scripture, if they're not following the church's philosophy, which would be from Scripture, then it says you have to distance yourself. You have to apply church discipline. We don't like church discipline. It's very clear what church discipline is about in Scripture. And so we have this wonderful thing that we do called peacemakers at, at Living Hope. We go through the peacemaking process in Matthew 18. And then if that doesn't work, at some point you get to go see the elders, and that's always a joyful time if you're a church member. And we say you can repent, and we restore you, or you won't repent, and we treat you as a sinner. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? But how do you treat sinners? How do we treat sinners? Do we condemn them and judge them 
do we go, unclean, stay away from me. What do we, how do we treat sinners as believers? How are we supposed to? We're supposed to love them, right? We're supposed to love them into a way that they can understand who Jesus Christ is. So, church, this one is, hey, you're not acting like a believer. You're not responding to Scripture. You're not responding to church authority. And so we're going to have to distance ourselves from you. We're going to distance you from us. That's church discipline. We don't have to talk about it because it's hard, but it's a loving thing to do, and that's why it's in Scripture. How do you talk to your middle schooler about that? Your elementary kids, your preschoolers, y'all are okay. Well, yeah, that's what we do. You know, people, we still love them and we still care about them, but we don't, we don't really go hang out with them. This, this week, my daughter, who, who's church plants with her husband in Boston, received a letter from a friend of my daughter's, my Claire is, uh, my granddaughter, my Claire is, my Claire is, my Claire. Claire is 10 years old, and as you can imagine, the culture in Boston is very secular and all accepting of everything. Uh, for National Pride Week, they paint all the crosswalks, rainbow colors, and all that kind of stuff that we don't deal with so much here in Bowling Green. And so my daughter received a letter from Claire's, one of Claire's best friends. Her name was Victoria. But as a 10-year-old, she's identified as a boy and now wants to be called Noah. And the letter was to the parents saying, please, please encourage your child, my daughter's friend, my son's friend now, to respect her decision. Now, some of you know Living Hope really well. Some of you know Living Hope not so well. But if that were to happen at Living Hope, if one of you were to say, ah, my daughter's 10, she can decide for herself, she wants to be a little boy now, and we're gonna call her Noah. What do you think would happen in love? What do you think, I, let's, don't, let's, not even, let's not even bring Jason into this or Pastor Dave, what do you think Brother Bill would do if he found out about that? What do you think I would do? You got wide eyes, what do you think Pastor Bill would do if he found out about that? Yeah. Would I do it in love? Okay. But I would say this isn't what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches in the very beginning that there's male and female. That's how people are born. You can have surgical or chemical things done to your body that change that, but this is how God created your daughter. And this is how we're still going to refer to her at Living Hope Baptist Church because this is who God created her to be. And I'm going to do it in a very kind, loving way. And if they still want to deal with that, then at some point they would meet with some more people here in a very kind, loving way. And then at some point, if they still want to pursue that, they would meet with our elders. And I'm going to say this in a very kind and loving way. Very kind and very loving and very redemptive and very restorative. And then if they decided that even after all that, they just still want her to be able to identify as a boy, then, then we would treat them as sinners. We would still love the child. We'd still want to minister to the child. We would still love the family. We'd still want to minister to the family. But they wouldn't be in leadership, and they wouldn't be influencers here. We would be the influencers. Does that make sense? Does that sound really bad? Did I present that in a loving, kind, tender way? Because that's what we would do. And we would be very unpopular with the culture around us because the culture around us says just everything goes. Anything goes. We're going to talk about that in just a minute when we talk about being consistent parents. So how are you going to explain to your middle schooler and your high schooler, 
Yeah, Mom, they talked in high school today, and they said if you disagree with Pastor Jason, they'd kick you out of the church. Too far-fetched? Probably not. How are you going to explain to your middle schooler to go, yeah, Mom, you know, they talked today, and I've used Dad in here too. Yeah, Dad, they talked today, and, and I mean, they, they said if you don't, don't agree with things, and you just, we're supposed to treat you. I've got a friend of mine, he's a bad dude, and I'm just going to treat him like he doesn't exist anymore. That's what I believed when I was in middle school, junior high. As I tried to understand who Christ was in my life and I tried to grow toward him in, in a relationship, I, I came to understand that I can't be around these people anymore. One reason why I wasn't strong enough to be around them and be a believer. But secondly, you're, you're a bad guy and I'm a good guy now. And, and you're a bad guy so I can hang around with you, but you're a bad guy so I can't hang around with you anymore. And so it became this thing so how do you talk to your middle schooler and say, we still love these people, we still care about these people? How do you talk to your high schooler this week and go, First Thessalonians talks about this. Be encouraged in this. Find ways to love them and care for them because we, 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 we tend to just separate ourselves and we, we're never intended to be separate from the world. We're supposed to be what? The light and the salt. To be in the world but not of the world. And unfortunately, we get real dirty during the week because we're more of the world than not in the world. We're more twilight than light. So, anyway. Questions about what your children are going to learn today in Sunday school. God bless you as you share and try to share. These are hard, these are hard scripture verses to talk about. These are hard verses to, to help Young men and women who maybe aren't as mature as they need to be in Christ yet, but these are maturing scriptures, if that makes sense. These are big, deep faith scriptures. So take the time. Please don't be intimidated by them. Take the time to share. Take the time to help your children through this, through this study in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Thanks for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in the Rec Center, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.